Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Asha Carradine was an op-ed in the National Post. You hear her on Chorus Radio as well. And the title of it is, the headline is, The Carbon Tax is Coming Back to Bite the Liberals Hard. How are you, Tasha? Well, it doesn't cost me quite as much to fill up my car, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> it is bad. You know, my, my, I have to put 91 octane into mine. Ah. And, um, and so when it hit $130, I thought, what was this thing turned into a pickup truck overnight? <laughs> you know, but, but, it, yeah, but, but, you know, so much of it is tax and, and you start off your, yeah. your column, you start off your column by, uh, by pointing out, and please talk about this, the enthusiasm that the current federal government has for the carbon tax, which is not nearly matched by the folks on the street who have to deal with it. No. Uh, in fact, uh, a recent survey that Nanos Research did found two-thirds of Canadians think it's a really bad time, very poor timing or poor timing for a carbon tax increase. And uh, not surprisingly, at both ends of the country, um, where fuel prices, where fuel is important or fuel prices, Western Atlantic Canadians take the dimmest view 79 and 73 percent, respectively, say not the time to hike the carbon tax. Even in Quebec, 53 percent of respondents think it's wrong. So the government is, I think, really misunderstanding the appetite that Canadians have for this this way of addressing climate change. There's an appetite for addressing it, but this is not the route people think is effective. No, and I should have pointed out when I introduced you, you're the author of The Right Path, How Conservatives Can Unite, Inspire, and taken Canada forward. Um, I, I love this line in your in your op-ed. In their zeal to convert everyone to cyclists and transit riders, the Liberals are ignoring the everyday reality of Canadians. They're asking Canadians to save money by foregoing time without realizing the people have precious little of each. And that's really what it is, isn't it? They're out of touch. Well, this is the thing. Um, you know, when Christian Freeland said, I, I don't own a car, and then she got a speeding ticket. <laughs> it's really quite pricey. That is, isn't it? Um, she does take a car when she needs it. In other words, when there's no option of walking or there's no option of, I don't know if she cycles, then you have to take a car. Well, guess what? Um, large swaths of our country do not have an option of cycling or transit. Even if you live in a city, transit can take a lot longer than driving, which means exactly that. You you are short of time. That's something people are really short of. And you're asking people to forego time. It's a time-money equation. And sometimes it just does not make sense. So people, you know, also you're schlepping your kids. You're schlepping your groceries. You're schlepping this, schlepping that. Before I had my child, I did not have a car. I did not own a car. I had a car briefly. Then the car had an accident. That was when I was married. And then, you know, didn't get another car for at least a decade. And that, you know, it changed. And your life changes. And so it's false for her to say or anyone to say, well, you know, there's options for you. For a lot of people, there aren't. 
And that's what the government doesn't seem to understand. No, it's cavalier to say that, isn't it? Particularly if you have it a, you have a government so driver at your it is out of touch. Yeah, you have yeah. a driver at your disposal. You just phone phone in the car it arrives. You're not driving right. it, but you're certainly using it. You know, it's like the person. It's like the chocolate cake that's on the table. And there's a slice missing, and there's somebody there with chocolate all over their face, and you say, <laughs> "Did did you take that slice of chocolate cake?" And they said, "No, no, yeah, it wasn't me." Christopher Freeland with chocolate all over her face. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I've been waiting to use that metaphor for 20 years. <laughs> you also point out in the in your op-ed, and this one is, I think, is really, really, it's missed by many, but it's so important. The government is also bringing more and more people into the country every year. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the other thing, too, is that we have, we have uh, targets that we've set, and these targets are, you know, we miss them all the time. But when you're bringing in, constantly bringing in more people, uh, the the emissions intensity of the economy can decline, but your overall emissions won't decline as much. And so this actually, this has been measured. The emissions intensity, which is the greenhouse gases per GDP, declined by 29% between 2005 and 2021. So clearly, you know, mostly industry has done this, but also some heating uh, changes to electric and that sort of thing. But Canada's overall GHG emissions only fell by 8.4% because there are more people here using more things and doing more stuff. So it's a, you know, you, this is a fallacy as well, is that we're, if we set targets, they're always moving, right? And the mm-hmm. government's bringing in more and more people. So I think we have to realize that if we're going to be a growing economy, a growing population, you have to factor that in and arbitrary targets don't make any sense. So why do you suppose they're continuing on this, uh, this carbon tax holy grail mission um, and not listening to what people are saying, not understanding how folks are struggling at the other end of the spectrum. I can understand well, Stephen Gilbo. You know, he climbed the CN Tower and, and unfurled Did he battle. really? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> I, I, did he take the stairs or did he do something? <laughs> yeah, well, he got convicted of public mischief. Really? I would have convicted him of a lot more than that. I'm surprised. I would just, you know, at least didn't fall off. That would have been bad. But um, that's uh, that's a pretty crazy way to make your point. That's, yeah. To me, that's sort of up there with throwing paint on things. It doesn't. You're not achieving anything, really. No, but why? Yeah. Why do you? I mean, you understand the political realm so exceedingly well. Why are they so um, so stubbornly committed to their carbon tax increases, given the realities on the ground? Well, I think that the carbon tax has become sort of a dividing line, right? Um, and the government has, I don't, backing away from it at this point would be very difficult. I think they could have deferred. They could have said, no, we'll wait. Um, that they would be within measure to do. But you see, they have a base. They, the liberals have moved themselves so far to the left. Their base is really conflated now a lot with the NDP, who is propping them up. They don't want to lose those voters, environmentalists and others who would look askance at this, maybe those people who do cycle and, and take a lot of transit. I mean, you know, and, and funny, I'm, I'm a, a small C conservative. I take transit, I cycle, but I also have a car. And I think, you know, you have to recognize people's realities, but there are people who don't drive. So the liberals are saying, well, we've got to keep that fold. We've got to keep that fold. And if we ditch the carbon tax, we lose it. We look like hypocrites. Um, so they're, they, they double down. They also know there is more support for it in Quebec, um, where they have, you know, they have to do well the next election right now. The conservatives are sort of creeping up there. Um, so I think that their calculation is this. It's a bright line issue. Conservatives, if the minute they say they don't like the carbon tax, you paint them as, as anti-environment. 
I don't know if that's going to work this time because people are so short of cash, as you pointed out. I think that is changing the equation and the liberals don't quite get that. Yeah. When you get a significant swath of the national population, not having, not being able to put together $500 to meet their financial obligations without selling something. We'll talk about that in more detail tomorrow. But that really, that, that one just, that underscores what it's like out on the street. Yeah, it does. And the thing is that, um, you know, they'll say that the carbon tax is rebated. And that is true. The carbon tax has a rebate system built in. But the other tax that came in, the clean fuel regulation, which you talked about, mm-hmm. that's what I, what I wrote in the column is that it, it does not have a rebate portion. And that came in. Um, the public, uh, the um, parliamentary budget officer estimates it will cost households between $384 and $1,157 by the end of this decade. Yeah. It's already costing you money. It came in now, but it's going to cost you that much money, depending on your income level, by the end of uh, by 2030. So there's no rebate for that, right? right? So th- there's different forms of carbon tax here. Not all of them come back to you. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.